We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, here's one that I don't know that I can answer, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Okay, here we go. All right, it says, Ryan, why hasn't New York put out more talented recruits? Big population for the state. Is it because of the mass, because the mass live in New York City, thought more would be coming from there? That's a good question, because New York's not even producing as many basketball players as it used to yeah, either. that's true. It used to be like, well, yeah, it's because all the best athletes are playing basketball. I mean, you know, I mean, you know how many like, great point guards that came out of New York City that could have been great corners or receivers or whatever? They're not playing football in most of those neighborhoods because there's nowhere to play football. It's a concrete mm-hmm. jungle, they would call it. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, there was nowhere to play yeah. football. I mean, it, it, the way that you do. Football is an expensive sport. You're playing basketball or stickball. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, but that's not even, they're not even producing the same volume of great basketball players anymore. And I really don't have an answer for it. I really yeah. don't. I don't. No, know. I, I just know the, I, I've heard, and it, this is hearsay, I'm sure, but I have heard that just football in New York City, like, it's just not like the level not of football. It's yeah. just not, it's not really a thing. And so I would imagine, I don't know if the coaching's good at all. I mean, I, I there's, yeah. There's so know. many reasons why, and I just don't know enough about it to to really have an answer for that one. Well, aren't there? Yeah. I've, I've never been to New York City, but yeah. I always hear about schools that are like they have numbers, like they don't even have names. It's yeah, like, I mean that's, you know, PS, that's true whatever. in parts of it. That's but true like, in parts of it, but there's like private schools like anywhere else. And but I, I just you just never hear about kids being recruited from PS 197. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I just well, I, heard I think they still have like names, but they're still referred to as yeah. Okay. I, I I don't know enough. Yeah, I'm pleading that. ignorance because I've never been. I've to been New to York New York City, City so. but I don't know. I don't know yeah. that I went there and studied their high schools. <laughs> but uh, that could be part of it too. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Mark with the mailbag question. Does it surprise you that Chase Claypool appears to be attitudinally working his way out of the NFL? Did any work ethic effort come to light while yes. at Notre Dame? We used to talk about this all the time. That's what I thought. Oh, absolutely. I wanted I was like, I it yeah. sounds very familiar. Yeah. But yeah. Oh yeah. That's always that that's not I'm not shocked at all that Chase is yeah. not locked into putting in the work to be great. And I mean like you're hearing all these things about him struggling and the attitude. And then you see him doing a modeling shoot in Paris or something like that. You're like, dude, mm-hmm. you think Devonte Adams and Cooper cup and you know, those guys are doing that. No, they're, they're out there in the lab, putting in the work, you know what I mean? In the hundred degree weather, putting in the work training to put in the work and Chase is out there modeling clothes in Europe. Is he really, you know, it's just like, bro, you know, that ain't it. And if you want to do that, then go do that. That's fine. Right. Stop, stop taking a, stop stealing a paycheck from the NFL teams and, and go do that. That's fine. If that, if that's not, if that's your passion, man, I got no, whatever, go do it. Right. Right. You know, go, go watch Zoolander and go do what you got to do. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, just stop playing the national football league. Right. You know, and that's just, I, I can't stand when people have jobs that they basically use those jobs as holdovers for other jobs. You know, it's like if you're here, you're dedicated to this. If you want to go do something right. else, then go do something else. I got no beef with that. Do what you got to do, man. If that's what your passion is, I'm good with that. No problem with that at all. So, yeah. Good one. From John A1. I'm seeing multiple avatars of John A1. I don't know what's happening. Uh, now, Miami, Colorado, Texas are beginning to bring in good talent. What other programs have the potential to step up in recruiting and even the playing field. We're going to do a show about this on CFB Nation, mm. about teams that, and I think it's probably me and Brian Smith. This is one of the topics we're going to do this July. Which teams need to be successful recruiting at a high level to do what John says, level out the playing field? Miami and Texas are two big ones, obviously. Colorado, we'll see how long that lasts, but yeah, they, the, they are getting the, some of those guys, right? They're the 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 flavor of the month, though, is right. what I feel like at the moment. Can they sustain will, that? Right, and will those yeah. kids that are committing to them now stick if they go three and nine right. this year? Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, Florida State's another one that I think is very important to this. Uh, I think Penn State is one because they help kind of take some kids from Ohio State. Notre Dame is obviously one because they can they can take some of those win some of those battles. Uh, and I think LSU getting back to being a recruiting juggernaut is important too, because they'll take some of those kids. Like you're trying to find schools that are going to take kids from Georgia and Bama. Sure. And yes. it really comes down to, you know, Penn state taking kids from Ohio state, Ohio, Michigan taking some kids from Ohio state, but then Ohio state taking some kids from Bama sure. and Georgia. Mm-hmm. And so that yep. kind of levels it out. Uh, you know, Clemson is, is, is going to do their thing. They've, they, they, they'll have their wins, but they don't recruit the same way. Florida State getting back to being Florida State would be huge in that regard because they're going to take four or five kids a year that would have otherwise gone to Bama and Georgia. Sure. Uh, and LSU Miami's starting to – yes, Miami's another one. Like like he said, Texas is one that that you, you could say, but it's really those uh, – USC actually caring about recruiting high school players, if they can get back to doing that more. They're doing mm-hmm. it a little bit more in this class for sure. But if when USC was rolling under Pete, they could go to Florida and get kids. They could go to Jersey sure. and get kids. They can go to Texas and get kids. They went to Ohio to get kids, and they could they could take anybody. So those those are ones that um, that have the ability to do that. And then the other one, it's it's a little strange. Is Oregon? Oregon mm-hmm. has has when they're rolling recruiting, they'll go into Florida and take some kid that everybody wow they took that kid from 
you know, that was go- we thought was going to go to Miami. They're they're at the bottom of that list, uh, but they're in the list. So to me, Penn State, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, Texas, LSU, and Tennessee is my last one. When Tennessee's rolling, they're going to beat those teams for a kid or two a year. And that's really what it all comes down to, Vince. It's every one of those schools taking a kid or two a year that would have otherwise gone to Bama or Georgia. Mm-hmm. And then you yep. just kind of bring that level down just a little bit to where it used to be, where you still had your powerhouse teams, the Miamis, the Notre Dames, the Bamas, but they're, they could be beat. Where now it's just, it, you know, it's just a little tougher for that, right. in my opinion. I think the college football playoff in its new format is also going to do a little bit more to even the playing field. And so I agree. I, I, agree. I feel like it's going to be harder for those teams to get. So Bama's won a couple titles because they got some really favorable matchups. When you got to win three games to win a title, and if you're the number two SEC team, you got to win four to win a title, you're going to have a much better shot at having to play somebody you don't want to play or you have a tougher time matching up against. That's just, to me, the reality of it. Like, Georgia's first title, they beat Michigan, who was not a great team that year, in my opinion. Did a great job getting to the playoff, but they weren't a great team. And then they got a a rematch against Bama. Well, okay, that's only two of your wins. You'd have needed to beat somebody else that year. And I and who knows if you know what if that matchup would have been a team they'd had a much tougher time matching up against. You know, a, a Kyler Murray type Oklahoma team, um, uh, Ohio State. You know, if it, one of their really good teams. So there, there's always those type of things where you're going to have to f- face at least one more tough matchup than you otherwise would have faced. And I think that's going to somewhat negate. I, I think the SEC dominance of winning almost every title is is going to be it's going to be harder for them to continue that in the current format, just because there's a gr- the more games you play, the greater chance there is that you get a bad sure. matchup, which results in a, an upset, in my opinion. So, all yeah. about it, all about it. Yep. So it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Let's get to uh, here's one from. I want to get to one we have from someone we haven't gotten to yet. Okay. All right. Oh, let's see here. Here's one. Ah, our guy Archer. Okay, Miami fans loathe Ohio State. Some, uh, with some ranking the Buckeyes as their number two most hated school. What fan base hates Notre Dame that Notre Dame fans are completely unconcerned with or apathetic about? All of pick, them. Pick one. Yeah, like, <laughs> like that's the one school like everybody hates. Is yeah. Notre Dame, right? Like, I mean, great question, Archer. I totally understand where you're coming from, but Notre Dame is like the Yankees. You love yeah. them or you hate them. Yeah. Everybody hates Notre Dame, and it's that is the one thing that I feel like everybody can agree on. That's not a Notre Dame fan is that they hate Notre Dame. Like that. That's what they can agree on, and that's really it's like, guys. Come on, man. That's it's okay. But yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean I didn't know this until I lived in Pennsylvania for a couple of years, but Penn okay. State fans hate Notre Dame. Really? And I'm like, we don't even care about you. Why are right. you so mad about right. this? And it really comes down because Joe Paterno hated Notre Dame. Okay. That's really what it comes down to. So is that pit now because Narduzzi hates Notre Dame? Like it, it yeah, I could give yeah, a crap. That's, that's more of a him as opposed to the like I don't think the Pitt fans care. Okay. Like the Pitt fans dislike Notre Dame anyway, but sure. I don't know that they really care a ton. But yeah, I, I think Penn State's one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I found Bama fans have a lot of bitterness towards Notre Dame because I think they're still mad that Bear Bryant got dominated by Notre Dame in his career. Like I still have fans bringing up like this one's for Bear, and I'm like. Uh, okay. what i didn't get it at first and i was like yeah. oh okay because he got dominated by notre dame all right whatever but yeah i mean there's a lot of fan bases that hate notre dame that i just find it hilarious you know what fan base that i have always had almost exclusively like really good respectful interactions with and there's a there's a level of respect between the two schools it's clemson sure i've had great mostly great interaction with clemson fans online I mean, you have every no, including every Notre fan Dame. base has every fan yes, base, including of course. Notre Dame. Yes, uh, but I mean, we've had to block Notre Dame fans out of this chat. Actually, not the trolls, but actual Notre Dame fans out of this chat. Yeah, but uh, Clemson's have been one of the better, like at least, and that's been my experience. Now, maybe for some of you who engage in those Twitter battles, maybe it's different. But for me, I've always enjoyed interacting with Clemson fans and Georgia fans. For a while, were good was, there too until they started. Yeah. And then they just became obnoxious. 
Like they, they Clemson a fans handled SEC success too. way better yeah. than Georgia fans have handled success at this point in time. Like that, that's that's definitely true, in my view. So yeah, do we do we care that Ohio State fans hate Notre Dame? No, I care about that one because okay. I grew up in Ohio. Okay, fair enough. All right. So fair it's enough. a little different for me. I met some really nice Ohio State fans the other day, actually, but uh, that doesn't seem to be the norm with the people that I've met. Now, granted, I was at their stadium and on their campus, but I didn't feel the love. I'll put it that way. So, But I didn't take that personally, Brian. I showed love to the Ohio State fans that were on Notre Dame's campus last week that were asking okay. me for directions and advice for when they come in for the night game. Just so the guy who was trying to pick fights with every Ohio State fan <laughs> in the city of Columbus last September. They brought it on themselves. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Don't cut me off. <clears throat> and I wasn't even driving. <laughs> so I was getting ready to jump out the window. All right. Anyway, uh, we got a super uh, super chat from Wicked Bronco Productions. Thank you very, very much. How do you guys feel? about how Notre Dame is doing recruiting in their own backyard in Indiana and the Chicagoland area in terms of getting five-star kids or the high-profile guys. I'm a former 8A Illinois player, and most Illinois kids are Notre Dame fans. I mean, talk to me when we find out where Justin Scott signs. But for the most part, That's they're fair. doing fine. I mean, they they got the two Indiana kids that they wanted this year in Styles Prescott and Bronte Johnson. Sure. Uh, they got Cam Williams in the Chicago area. There's no other Chicago kids they've wanted in this class other than Justin Scott. So we'll see how it goes with him. Uh, so far, they're doing really well with like Christopher Burgess and Taylor Taylor in the 25 class, but we'll, we'll see. You know, there's still work to be done. Uh, 2023 class, you know, there, there really weren't a lot of Chicago area kids. They went out and got Christopher Tarek out of 23, uh, but they did get Drake Bowen out of Indiana. So they got the best kid in the state of Indiana last year. So when they won a kid, they've had more success. They, they lost a lot of kids in the, in the teens, the 2010 teens years under Brian Kelly in state that they shouldn't have lost. Yeah. And I think of like Austin Mack, for example, is one Pete Werner, you know, losing those guys to Ohio state. That was brutal. You know, they, they, they offered Mylon Graham, but Notre Dame stopped recruiting him almost immediately after offering him when they got his transcript. I mean, it just, mm. they weren't even a player there. So like they, they beat him for like Terry McLaurin. I mean, there's a lot of kids and, and some of them they're even recruit, which was weird. Yeah. But uh, now they're, they're doing better, but I mean, really it's going to ultimately be defined by, um, can you get Justin Scott? I mean, he's the only five-star in the area. It's Cam, Cam Williams is close and they got him. So, yeah. you know, it's going to come down to they get Justin Scott, they're doing great. If they don't mm-hmm. get Justin Scott, they're doing well, can, right. can, but need to do a little bit better. Yeah, I don't, I can't, I can't think of any like big Notre Dame, big Indiana like misses that they've had, the guys that they've in really the last couple of years. Yeah, right. Yeah. Recently. Yeah. So I feel good about it, Wicked. I feel good about it at the moment. Like you said, we'll see what yeah. Justin Scott. Ends I up still, with. man, I still get mad. Could you imagine in 2018 if Notre Dame would have had Drew Tranquil and Tavon Coney inside at Mike and Will and Pete Werner playing Rover? They they dropped the ball with Pete Werner. That that was, and then he would have moved inside yeah. when Drew left, and then you'd have had Pete Werner at Will and Jeremiah Wusukor Moe right. at Rover. They they dropped the ball on that yeah, one. They did. They really did. Another one from Wicked Bronco Productions. Thanks, man. Appreciate it very much. Funny story. I played at BBCHS, and we played against A.J. Henning, who was, in my opinion, the best player in Illinois at that time, and I know he was very high on Notre Dame, but kids like that, Lightfoot, Scott, Milan, etc., should be at Notre Dame. Can't lose them. Well, first of all, Milan Graham, they had no shot at getting into school. Like, zero. Like, I've never seen a kid, Notre Dame, drop a talented kid faster than they dropped Milan Graham when they got us great. I mean, just... I hate. To say, I'm not trying to bash the kid, but it's it just, just like is what it is. I mean, it's just we can't work with that. Where he may be going? the greatest kid in the world. I'm not saying anything negative about him. I'm just saying like that's just not going to work. That's just not going to work. Yeah. Uh, where Bronte, you could work with him. There was something to work with, right? There. And, and they they uh, laid out the path. Like yeah. this is what you need to right. do. There was no path. And he did direction. it. Yeah. Right. There was no path for the other one. Marquis Lightfoot, they they could have if they wanted him, but they didn't want him. And I'm okay with that. Logan Thomas and Cole Mullins are better prospects in my opinion. So you also have to be careful that you don't take Chicago kids just because they're Chicago kids. And then you pass up a Logan Thomas and a Cole Mullins, who I think are better players, who Notre Dame thinks are better players to take a a local kid. So I understand where you're coming from, but one of those guys they didn't want, 
one of those guys they couldn't get even if they wanted him, which they did. I mean, they offered him, so they liked him. I don't know if he was necessarily at the top of their board. I think his ranking has has jumped a little too high, in my opinion. Like, he went from not being ranked high, uh, very underrated to overrated. Mylon Graham a little bit. Still a very good football player. But, uh, you know, Lightfoot, to me, is vastly overrated as a prospect. He's a nice prospect, but, you know, Notre Dame, Notre Dame didn't want him. Now, we could, we could say it was a mistake. We'll find that out. Right. But, uh, but thank you for the super chat. I do appreciate that yeah, very no much. Doubt. But, um, yeah. yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see. Another one from John says, which player on the roster has the best juke ability potential? That's a good question. I see here, I would say probably Caleb Smith. Would probably be my my name my one okay. pick for that one yeah okay him or jeremiah love that that was going to be mine yeah. I, I was going to say jeremiah two. love that jeremiah's was got a little he's he can juke but he's more like a one cut right slasher little, burner like type. yes absolutely but i yeah. i look at that as like a I, like when i think of a juke i don't think of a guy in open field being like oh and then go you know it's more of like a stick your foot like in the what, ground Vince, i'm sorry i missed it guy like what can yeah, you do that again? again there's the problem is the internet's forever and somebody's gonna Cut that out, I'm sure. Uh, but <laughs> from a juke standpoint, it's like a one foot in the ground and juke, you know, maybe a spin move or whatever. Like I, I see Jeremiah Love being that guy. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. It's a lot of movement. Those Xavier Watts had some of that. Yes. As well. well that's why you and I wanted him so badly on offense. Yeah. You know, because he does have that ability in the open field, but he's also got that ability to track guys down in the open field. So he does. Jordan with a question. Do you think Jaden Thomas plays more outside or in the slot this year? I think it's going to be mixed up. I think you're going to see him doing both. You got to move him around. I, yeah, that's the one thing I'm excited about seeing in this offense is what they do specifically with him, because I know he's been kind of typecast in the slot and I, and I get it. He's, he's a, he's a, a, a nice matchup for Notre Dame in the slot. There's no doubt, but he also has the ability to be, one of your most consistent wide receivers, move them around, put them on the outside, put them in the inside, put them on the outside. When you want to put Chris Tyree in the slot, have them both on the field at the same time. Nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? So can you move 83? He's still 83, right? Move them around, you know, the formation. That's what good offensive coordinators do. They put their guys in position to be successful. It's going to say a lot to me about Jared Parker and what he does with this offense and I know this is simplifying a lot of things, but what he does with Jaden with JT, what he does with him specifically is going to tell me a lot about his offense. Got a couple super chats here from a couple more super chats here from Wicked Bronco Productions. Man, Wicked Broncos, killing it! Thanks, man. Appreciate it very much, Brian. How are you feeling about the Scott situation? Seems like Michigan is the team to beat now. If Notre Dame loses this recruit, recruitment, it's a huge loss. We, I kind of put my thoughts on this on the message board in an Intel piece the other day. Uh, right now, I, th- I think your assessment is correct. Notre Dame's got work to do. Yeah. Um, I'll put it as simple as I can. If they can convince him to visit in July, they'll have a shot. If they can't, he'll commit to Michigan. Now, does that mean he won't still visit in the fall? Doesn't mean that. Right. But I, I, I don't. I've always said if he commits somewhere down south, he'll flip and commit. He'll end up in the north. He's it's going to be harder to flip time. him from a northern yeah. school. Much harder yeah. to flip. Because I don't think Justin's a kid that wants to flip. <clears throat> right. I think his family wants him to flip. I just think the reason I think he would have flipped from the southern school because I think it would have hit him like, I don't want to go this far away from home. Right. Which is totally fine. My sister was that way. My sister went to college in the same state. She went, But she went to college like at, at Radford. And it's like out near like Blacksburg, which is several hours away from home. Just didn't want to be away from home. My sister is a, still is a very independent person, but she just didn't like being that far away from home. Some people just don't, and it's there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, I just think that would have been the reason. I don't think he's a flip type of kid just in, just because, you know what I mean? And so it'll be a lot harder to flip him from Michigan than it would have been from Miami or Georgia, in my opinion. So, yeah, if, if, they got to get him on campus, Vince. Simple as that. They've yeah. got to get him on campus. Absolutely. Again. If he doesn't come back to campus, that's yeah. it's over. I'll be shocked if he picks Notre Dame if he doesn't make another visit yeah. between now and the time he makes it. Shocked. Agreed. Absolutely shocked. And I don't care what everybody tells me. Oh, it's 
here's the reason why, here's the reason why. That's fine. You can give me all the reasons why he hasn't visited that you want, but he's made time to visit Michigan twice this offseason. He's made time to visit Georgia twice, Miami twice, Ohio State twice. Been their name once, and that was in March. Yeah. You you know, at some point in time, you got to say, if he's not willing to visit, guys, to the school that's closest to him, there's a reason why. There's some disconnect there. Right. That is telling me that that he doesn't really like Notre Dame like we think he does. Mm-hmm. So, I, I you know, because like, and, and you're hearing all these like I remember, like during the 22 election cycle, you'd hear this this 3D chess expression. Well, he's, he's really just playing 3D chess. And I'm like, is he is he really? And I feel like they're doing that with Justin Scott now. Like, no, nah, see, what's happening is he already knows Notre Dame. That's why he almost committed in January. And so Coach Freeman told him to go to other schools, but he knows about it. I'm like, that all sounds great. Sounds great. But Notre Dame has wanted him to come back and visit. It'd right. be one thing if Notre Dame was like, no, nah, we're good. We know where we're at. We're good. We're good. You go do what you got to do, buddy. We know where you're going to be come pick, day you pick. No, no. That They've been trying to get him back for, for camp for visits again, and he hasn't done it. And sometimes right. for justified reasons, but – so it's not like they're like, we don't need him back on campus. We know where we're at. We're good. Yeah. They want that, him back. That would be different. They want him back. So we can spend it all they want about, no, no, it's all good. No, it isn't all good, right? I, I just, I'll be shocked if he picks Notre Dame without getting back on campus. I just mm-hmm. will. And that's what, it, that's what it boils down to for me. I hope I'm wrong. I, well, I hope he visits, first of all. Right. But Let's if he doesn't visit and then decides to make a decision, I hope I'm dead wrong. I just, I just don't <clears> think that I am. Wicked Bronco Productions again. Oh, another super chat. Thank you, sir. I think Notre Dame should recruit more from Homewood and Lincoln Way East. The They are usually the top-ranked schools in Illinois, but also nationally, especially HF kids who have the academic acumen as well. If they have Notre Dame talent, they should go after them. Right. I mean, that's just the reality of it. And I so, feel like yes. if they... If it's a Notre, Notre Dame, Dame needs to make Illinois and Indiana a, 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 a base. If but they can't just take like remember when they overdid it, like in the middle of Kelly's tenure, they start taking like John Turner and Brandon T. Awesome and Micah Du Treadway and all these kids that you're like, like I remember the they took Elijah Taylor, Brandon T. Awesome, and Micah Du Treadway, and I said I have no problem Notre Dame taking any one of those three guys, but they should have only taken one of those three guys. Like I didn't I didn't care which one of those three you took, right. you just shouldn't took in, taken all three of them. They started taking these reaches because they wanted to get the in-state kids, and I'm like, no, that's that's not the way to go either. It's that's as bad to me as not recruiting Illinois as hard as you should have, like, and, which right. they didn't do. So, uh, you know, you, you got to be careful. Make sure you're only bringing in Notre Dame caliber players. That's that's to me the big key. That's the big key. Bob, many people talked about how Buckner outplayed Hartman during the spring. The spring game rosters were in favor of Hartman. I think Buckner lost his offensive coordinator and knew that the new offensive coordinator was going with Hartman. What I know, or what I think, is that you're making a lot of reaches here. (laughs) First of all, we said the entire spring, this stuff about Buckner outplaying Sam Hartman is nonsense. Buckner did have a really good spring. Yeah. But what was overplayed is how he was somehow outplaying Sam Hartman. If Sam, if Tyler Buckner wasn't light years ahead of Sam Hartman the first week that they were in the same uniform, there was a problem. Mm-hmm. But that, that you know, Buckner, Buckner got beat out. He did not outplay Sam Hartman. Anyone that's going to tell you that Sam Hartman got outplayed by Tyler Buckner this spring is just not talking truth to you. Or they're giving, and it may not be they're doing it purposely. They could be have a source that tells you that it's just not accurate. Here's what I know from every single source that I've had. Don't care what people think about what happened in this drill or this open practice in the Jersey scrimmage and in the blue gold game, Sam Hartman far outplayed the other quarterbacks. And it's right. not that Tyler didn't even play well. Uh, the, the, the roster was in favor of Hartman. How, how he, I think he, he had the Deion offensive Colsey, line. He had Tobias Merriweather, right? I mean, he had Audric Estime. He had Blake Fisher and Andrew Chris- how was he had Holden Stace? How was the roster geared towards him? Sam Hartman completed 11 passes to Jaden Greathouse. He was completing balls to Matt Salerno, right? And Davis Sherwood, right? Why? Because Walk-ons the starters senior were playing school. on the blue team, right? So, uh, this th- that that is one of the more spin things that I have seen, uh, coming out of this, right? Because remember going in, uh, we were talking about how 
the 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 blue team got like all the players. Oh, they had Chris Tyree. We, we talked about that. We Sean and I broke down the roster during one of our shows, and we're we did like a draft of our own, and like yeah. we all wanted guys that were on the blue team <laughs> from an right. offensive standpoint because they right. had all, all the offensive players. Now, in retrospect, I think Sam Hartman was integral in who he picked on his team, and he picked in theory maybe by one guy a better offensive line, so he had more time to throw the football. Whatever. Right. Okay. I will even grant that premise, but the other guys around him, that not even close. Nonsense. Here's who was on the blue team. Audric Estime, Chris Tyree, Tobias Merriweather, Deion Colsey, Rico Flores, Braylon James, Holden Stace, Blake Fisher, Andrew Gustafic, uh, Tosh Baker. Like, tell me again how that was. He the heart, Pretty the, good offensive crew he, there. He, he, here's who Sam Hartman had on his team, right? The gold team. He had Jabron Payne, Jabron Payne, Sam Asif, Jaden Thomas, Jaden Greathouse, Matt Salerno, Leo Shiler, Alex Whitman, Chase Dixon, Davis Sherwood, Joe Walt, Amir Wa- Emil Wagner, Billy Shrouth, Rocco Spindler, Quinn Murphy, Zeke Carell. Explain to me how the roster was set for Sam Hartman. Right. That's nonsense, man. I, I'm rejecting that completely outright. That's absolute <laughs> yes. nonsense. Nonsense. So... Um, uh... No, come on now. That be better than that. That's a got, really bad take. He left because he got beat out. That's yeah. why he and, left. And I'm okay with it. I mean, right. if he, I mean, if he wants to go somewhere else to play, and 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 it's not because he's afraid of competition. Because if he was afraid of competition, yeah. he wouldn't have gone to Alabama. Right. Right. He just he, the guy he wanted to play for left, and he went with him. Yeah. To act if this was some predestined thing, and Tyler Buckner had no shot. That's nonsense. You're telling me that you think the Notre Dame coaches are so petty that they were going to play Sam Hartman even if Tyler Buckner was the better player. You really think that? Their jobs are on the line. Their careers right. are on the line. That they're going to play the guy that's better just because? No. And you know an example of that? Caleb Smith. Caleb Smith was an all-ACC wide receiver last year, came to yep. Notre Dame and got beat out mm-hmm. by, by other guys. He got Enough beat out. that he's not on the he's roster anymore. Him. Tobias outplayed him. Yep. Jaden outplayed him. And and you know and then some other things happened in his life and he decided to walk away. But does he does he do that if he's the the go to guy at receiver? No, I don't think Not he does. He got beat Not out. So uh, that's a that's a rough take, my man. I'm sorry. That's a really and 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 you're talking to a, a big pro Tyler Buckner guy. Oh, right? both of us are. I I was upset when he decided to leave. Yeah, upset when he decided to leave, and I. I think that he could have been, you know, injuries killed him, to be honest with you. Injuries really hurt his progression and his development from the high school on, right? I mean, injuries hurt him. And I still think he could be really, really good. But, you know, he made the decision once he got beat out legitimately to leave and try something else. Um, It's unfortunate. It really is because I still think he could have stepped in in 24 and been a really good quarterback. I do. I still believe that to this day, and I'm not changing that opinion. I still think he could have been a really good starting quarterback at Notre Dame if he would have just waited one more year. And I realize that's a tough thing to do. I I get it. You were the starter last year until you got hurt. You were the starter in the bowl game, and then you got to sit for another year. That that's not easy on anybody. No, I get it, man. You think you're talented. I get it. And and the the guy that recruited you there's both guys that recruited you there are gone. I get it. Right. I get it. No ill will whatsoever, but to act as if like he didn't have a shot to win it because yeah. it was set up for Hartman, there's just there's there's just zero evidence of that. Right now, if the rosters would have been reversed, sure, sure, yeah, right. And so, well, the all line didn't block for him partly because we had the same issue in the spring that we had last fall. The cor- the protections weren't set correctly. Mm-hmm. That's partly on the quarterback. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That just uh, that doesn't that doesn't uh, that doesn't play well, buddy. Ryan, sorry if this has been asked before, but who amongst the freshmen do you think can contribute in a big way immediately, like Benjamin Morrison last year? Who who can? Who has the ability to do right. it? I'm only sure who has the ability will. to do it. Now, not most of them won't, but here's who has the ability: Jeremiah Love, well, um, Kenny Minchie, Jeremiah Love, every single receiver in the class, all four of them. Cooper Flanagan, Charles Jagasaw, Sam Pendleton, Bubakar Traore, Armel Mookum, Drake Bowen, Jaden Osbury, Christian Gray, 
Micah Bell simply because of his speed and both of the safeties of Don Schuler and Ben Minich if they're healthy. And I would put Ben ahead of a Don because a Don missed so much time with the shoulder injury that Ben, uh, Ben still got half the spring in. Yeah. And, and, uh, and his, his was more of like a, a thumb type of thing. So like, he's still doing workouts and running and, and lifting like Adon had to shut his upper body workouts down for months because of the shoulder surgery. So it's a little different animal, but there's a lot of kids that can help this football team this year. If they need to, most of them won't, but right. Who can, those are the guys that can. Yeah. Right. And um, yeah. And in, in my opinion, it's a small list of who will. Right, barring an injury, because it's to, about opportunity, to, right? right? Exactly. Like all of those receivers aren't going to get an opportunity help no. this year because there's just some talented veterans. You know, the, correct. Sam Pendleton would have to overcome a lot of really talented older players to to, yeah. to play. Bubakar, same with Bubakar and Armel, same with Christian Gray. And and the way I look at it is like, is this: if Christian Gray would have been a freshman in 2020, does he play a ton? Yes, he starts. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. he'd have started over Clarence Lewis, right? Well, it's going to be a little harder for him this year, having to battle against Cam Hart and. Uh, Benjamin Morrison and Jaden Mickey and Chance. It's a different roster than it was in 2020, right? Correct. Devin Houston, if he comes in as a freshman in 2017 or 2018, is in the rotation flat out because he was better as a high school prospect than Kurt Heinisch and Myron Tungvaloa, who both played as true freshmen in the rotation because the, the depth chart was so thin. So that's part of it, right? And and But the depth charts, a lot. I mean, we talked about it yesterday in the show, Vince. I mean, you're talking about Howard Cross, Robbie Mills, Gabriel mm-hmm. Rubio, Jason Onye, Tyson Ford, Donovan Heinish. That's a lot of dudes you're going to have to beat out that are good, talented football players in order for a guy like Devin right. Houston to play. <clears throat> Whereas in 2017 and 2018, it's like you had to beat out, like, who, Brandon Tiasum? Right. To be in the two deep? You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's a little easier deal. Sure. Than it was then. So, um it, it's an opportunity thing, Vince. Absolutely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Matthew Brosha with the question. If we do end up with Deuce Knight, how would you handle his progression being behind CJ Carr? Same. I mean, it, it, it's really not about him. This is a very fair question, Matthew. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. It's not so much about that, though. Your, your, your progression of a quarterback is more about where he is in his development than it is about who's in front of him. And so for me, for, for example, big picture, I'm trying to get Deuce ready to play as quickly as possible because I want him to either A, challenge CJ, which makes CJ better, or B, if something happens to CJ, and we've seen Notre Dame lose quarterbacks in the past. And we talked about going over the years. I mean, Arnez ba- Ron Paulus goes down, right? Uh, Arnez Battle gets hurt. Jerry Jackson goes out late in the year. Uh, and you have to go into LSU and, or USC and try to win with Eric Chappelle. You know, Carla Holiday gets hurt. We've seen it over the years. Tommy Reese, get, Dane Chris gets knocked out of a game. Tommy Reese gets knocked out of a game. You got to bring Andrew Hendricks in, right? Malik Zaire gets hurt. Everett misses the BYU. I mean, you're going to need your number two quarterback more often than not, right? So I want Deuce to be ready as as quickly as possible for those two reasons. And so I'm not slowing down his progression because I've got CJ there. I'm doing it just as good as I otherwise would because my goal as a quarterback's coach is to make every single kid out of my roster as ready to play and play to his full potential as quickly as I possibly can, because you never know when his number is called. You're never going to know when that number gets called, especially in today's era of the transfer portal. I mean, you could come into the spring of Deuce's freshman year, and he's the four-string quarterback, and in that offseason, two dudes leave. Right. And now all of a sudden he's your backup quarterback, and you just went 15 practices of thinking, I don't have to worry about you know getting him ready because I got CJ. Well, he's your backup quarterback now. Mm-hmm. And so you're a sprained ankle away from him being your starting quarterback and you just missed an opportunity to develop him. So I'm, I'm using a, an extreme example, Matthew, to make a point of, I think the progression has to be, you progress like he's going to be needed. Sure. That's the way I, I would look at it. You know, it's so like, same with like Kenny mentioned this year. I'm not, well, Kenny's third. 
you know, I don't need him this year. No, I, I may need him this year. And, and I want him to be ready. So if his number is called, he's ready to go, but also, so he's getting an opportunity to go out next year and compete for a starting job. Because when you're really doing this thing, right. If CJ comes out in 2025 and he's their starting quarterback and he's really good, should we guarantee that he's the next the start of the next year? If Deuce is better? No, you shouldn't. If And, and the same thing is true with CJ. If Kenny Minchie starts in 24, and does well, but then CJ's better the next year. Should you still start him? We've seen this happen before, Vince. Kelly Bryant took Clemson to a playoff, got beat out yep. the next year by Trevor Lawrence. Yep. Jalen Hurts took Alabama. Not only did he take him to the title game, twice he was a starter in a game that they won, but then he also led them on a drive late in the game in the fourth quarter against Clemson as a true freshman that gave them the late lead, and it's not his fault that the defense gave it back, right? And he got beat out. Why? Because Tua was better in their opinion. And so uh, that's part of the game. And when you're really recruiting at a high level, nobody's like, well, I got this locked down for three years. You might, but you better keep working for it. You better be as hungry in year three as you were in year one because I got this five-star stud behind you that's chomping at the bit and is going to take advantage of every day off that you took because you think you got this in the bag. Now, if anyone knows C.J. Carr, they know that's not going to be C.J. Carr's right. attitude. Right. C.J. Carr is not the kind of kid that's going to take a day off because he thinks he's got it in the bag. I'm just making a point that in regard to the development, you're going to treat CJ the same way you're going to treat Deuce. I got to get him ready to play at a high level as quickly as possible because I'll never know when his number is going to be called. And if he does reach his full potential sooner rather than later, then that starter better be ready to play at a high level because he's he knows this kid's breathing down his neck. So good good question. Yeah. Uh very good question. It just that's that's just kind of my philosophy. And it and it's a little different with quarterbacks too, Vince, than it would be like with an offensive lineman who needs 40 pounds. That's a little different deal. Like, okay, sure. we're just worried about getting the technique down this year because this kid isn't going to play. Well, what makes you say that? He's 260 pounds. That's why he's not going to play. He's not physically ready to play right now. Mm-hmm. Quarterback's a little bit of a different animal for me. Well, and if you look at you don't have to go very far back in Notre Dame's history to see a kid that's down on the depth chart all of a sudden being potentially thrown into action right I mean look what happened with Stephen Jelly last year he was third on the depth chart and all of a sudden he's the backup behind uh Buckner in the bowl game and does it I mean Buckner's one snap away from getting hurt right and then Steve Angeli is your starting quarterback like so you know Steve Angeli was running the scout team and all of a sudden he's the backup you know what I mean so I mean it, things can change and adapt and you just never know how things are going to go throughout a season. You got to have all those guys ready to go that you have to. So again, that goes along with the whole job interview thing all year long. How are these guys preparing themselves as well? Ah, this is a new one. No, this is the same one. Yep. Got us. No, I had to bring there that back go. up. Yep. Nope. Absolutely. Quinn Kibler. Thank you so much for the super chat. I mentioned in a, I remember this. I mentioned in a previous show, if Estime and Fisher could out eat Joey Chestnut. Since Vince and Sean said no, who else needs to be on the team? I have zero opinion on this, Vince. <laughs> I We just said there's no way because that's what Joey Chestnut does. If anybody's ever watched him eat hot dogs and buns, doesn't matter how big you are, you can't eat that fast. And that's it's just not possible. You'd have to add like three guys. And it doesn't matter who those three guys are. And I guarantee you, some small walk-on or something can probably eat faster and more than a, a big offensive lineman, right? So you got to figure out who those guys are. But I would say you'd need five guys all eating to beat him. That's what I would say. With no basis of anything. Yeah, I just I have <laughs> zero no opinion on that. Anything of that. Zero opinion on that. All right. Let's see here, Vince. Let's get down to uh, here's here's a good here's a good one. I like this from from Jordan. What does Rocco have to do in fall camp to beat out Andrew Gustafic for Game One in Ireland? Be in the best shape of his life, so mm-hmm. that way he can keep his feet moving, and then just build on what you did last year. I think that the thing that Andrew lacks that if Rocco can prove he has can help him, and that is the ability to move people. Because here's what I know I'm going to get from Andrew Gustafic: steadiness. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get steady play from Andrew. He's a good, yep. if Andrew Christophic is my starter at right guard, I'm going to get solid, steady play from him. Not great, not elite. It just, it's, and there is value to that for an offense. Yes, there is, especially offensive line. A lot of value. 
And yeah, he works Rock. really well with the guys on either side of him. Right. Like that's where he stands out. One-on-ones, Andrew Kostovic's not that great. You know, in practice, he's not that great in one-on-ones. Right. Rarely is a guard one-on-one. He is really good working with the guys around him. Again, like you said, there's a lot to be said for that. Yep. So what does Rocco need to do? He needs to find a level of consistency that he's not missing a bunch of assignments. Just do your job. But then the footwork thing, when Rocco moves his feet, he can move defenders. He's got, he's 320 plus, he's strong, he's a former wrestler. He can move people when he moves his feet. That's going to be the key. If he can, and and we saw a little bit of this late in the spring. We We saw it in practices. We saw it in the blue gold game, right? And and so he's going to have to build on that. But if he's moving people, but he's, his assignment correct grade is like seven to eight to 10% lower than Andrew Mm Kristoffic, I can't start you. Correct. Right. The higher you get your assignment grade up, essentially, the, the 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 better chance you have at beating them out if you're also moving people. So that's going to be the key. I, I think Rocco is going to be given a chance to earn a starting job. And sure. look, both of those guys could outplay Billy Shrouth and both of them start. I mean, that's part of it, too. I mean, Billy's got to still prove himself. I fully anticipate Billy Shrouth starting a guard, and I think he's going to be pretty good. He'll have his typical redshirt freshman ups and downs and things like that, but he's going to be pretty good. But let's say he has a really bad spring and Rocco and Andrew both playing well. Guess what? They're going to be the starters yeah. uh, and, sh- and should be because it's it's about, you know, are you do, can you do your job at a consistent basis? And, and, and if the answer for both of them is yes, then, okay, well, then who's the more dominant player? Mm-hmm. And, and after five years, I don't know that we're ever going to see Andrew Kristoffic be a dominant player. And so someone else can match him from the standpoint of, of steadiness, steadiness, but be more, be more dominant than that guy's going to beat him out. Sure. And that, and that should be true everywhere. Yeah. So that, that's kind of how I see that one. That that's a, it's a really good question because as an offensive coordinator, I I want the guy that I know is going to have be assignment correct every time. Mm -hmm. Right. He may lose some one-on-one battles, but he's going to the right place. And sometimes as an offensive lineman, sometimes just getting in the way is enough if you've got yep. some dynamic guys behind you, which Notre Dame does. And yeah. right now, as we sit here on June 30th, I know Andrew Kostovic is going to be in the right spot. I, I know, I feel like I know that, right? And so Rocco's got to prove that that's going to be him, you know, that he can be that guy. And then, like you said, mm-hmm. more dynamic, more powerful, maybe more explosive or whatever. Uh, because I do believe Rocco is a better athlete, like a better you know, he's got more tools, more gifts, but I know that Andrew's going to be in the right spot, man. And there's a lot to be said for that. A lot at the offensive yep. line. Especially at guard. Yeah. At tackle, yes. you may say, hey, we need a guy that's really going to have some dominant play. But a guard, you're nev- hardly ever blocking by yourself. Exactly. Especially in the run game. Yeah. So it, it just – it that's just such – because one mistake up front, get your running back knocked out. Get your right. quarterback knocked out. I mean, right. it, yeah. At the very least, you're getting in the way so that doesn't happen. Now, maybe it's not a touchdown, but your guy's not getting knocked out. <laughs> I mean, right. again, there's something to be said for that. Yep. So good good questions today. Good questions Absolutely. today. All right. Here, here's a good one from uh, from Tavis, Vince. Let's go to okay. this one. Tavis McKay, what uh, one game could be the most detrimental for Notre Dame to lose this upcoming season, assuming they finish with one loss, but that one loss – keeps them out of the playoff. This is a tough one, Vince, because I have like five different answers and I give a different answer depending on, I can talk myself in and out of every position, <laughs> every, every one. So the premise is they lose one game. Right. And that one game can keep them out of the playoff. If I had to say one, it'd be Stanford. That's the mine right yeah, there. Cause it's the last game of the season. It, it won't be a very good team. Right. Last game of the year. Like I feel like if they lose to Clemson, but still win the next two, they'll have a shot still because they'll, mm-hmm. you know, you you can look at that. I mean, if they lose, if they lose to one of the big three, I don't think that hurts them as much. I think what, but then you want to say be a competitive game, and I but think then it you could be, say, but wouldn't yeah. it be better to like lose to an NC State or like what's the best case scenario for losing a game and being a playoff team? It's losing to NC State. 
Because you lose that game, you fall out of the top 10, but then you beat Ohio State, beat Duke, beat Louisville, beat USC, beat Pitt, beat Clemson. I mean, you roll and you're in the playoff. It's like Ohio State when they lost the – right, when Ohio State lost to Virginia Tech by two touchdowns in 2014. By the end of the year, when they smacked a really good Michigan State team, they beat Penn State, they smacked Michigan, they won the Big Ten Championship like 59 to nothing. Nobody cared about what they did against Virginia Tech in September at that point in time. Now we could argue that they should have. That's that game still happened. It was this season, right? Um, but uh, you know that's you know that's just the way it is. So I would say best is NC State, but worst, man. I I will t- tell you this. It's 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 here's how I rank them, Vince. In worst case scenarios, Stanford one, mm-hmm. and then Clemson in a convincing loss, being two. Okay. And then an absolute blowout loss by USC or Ohio State being tied for third. Right. So basically the big three comes down to you just can't get blown out by one of those teams. Right. If you if you play Ohio State down to the wire, you still have a and you beat USC, beat Clemson, beat everybody else, you got a really good playoff resume. Absolutely. If Ohio State beats you by 27 at home, you don't deserve to be in the playoff. I don't really care what your record is unless you're going against another team that has a similarly awful loss. Right. That's kind of what it boils down to for yeah, me. Yeah, I agree. The later the loss, the worse it is for Notre Dame too. Yeah, you know what I mean because the, you don't because then you start hearing the the stupid chatter about well they're not in a you know a conference championship and the last impression that Notre Dame had was losing to Stanford mm-hmm. and you know whatever. That's when that talk starts. If they lose to NC State on the road and then they beat the big three that are on their schedule and run the table the rest of the way, they're in. Right. Ba- barring four other undefeated teams. They're in because their strength of schedule will end up being stronger than their strength of wins or however you want to put it, right? It's going to be stronger than almost any other one-loss team out there. They're in. So that would be the only silver lining to losing to NC State on the day that they lose to NC State. Well, they run the table from here on out. They're good to go. But it's still going to sting if they end up doing that. Right. Uh, Here's a very important question here, Vince, uh, from Sean Styers. Why does Vince know nothing about basketball? You want to wow. take a swing at that one, Vince? It's coming hard. <laughs> came what? really hard at you, Vince. What did I do to Sean Styers? That's really, what I want to know. Really hard. I, I have a show with him in 64 minutes, and uh, yeah. he's coming at me hard with knowing nothing about basketball. Yeah. And this is the this is the guy that I used to call basketball games with. So I don't yeah. know, man. I feel I feel a little hurt. That's personal. harsh. He came personal. at you hard. He came at you really hard, Vince. That's a, that <laughs> got out of hand fast. We, we do we have a super chat uh, from SJ. I appreciate you, SJ, for the super chat. Yes, thank you very much. Any chance that Buckner will come back next year? And there, there was another question in there as well. I think I saw at one point that was like, if he wanted to come back, would Notre Dame accept him back or welcome him back or whatever the case may be? So what we if we can, let's just throw that into here as well, right? So because look, even if Butler wants to come back, Notre Dame has to want him back. I mean, that's that's it has to be a two way street, right? Um, yeah, I'll let you go first. On Would this they one. want him back? I I have no idea. I think it depends on how the season goes. I don't think Butler. Sure. I don't think Tyler burned any bridges on his way out the door. I, I agree. I, I think people understood. I think he did it respectfully. He went and told them. You know, they told the staff first and. He battled and competed his butt off for the whole spring and all those type of things. I, I just don't know of a scenario in which he would want to come back. And I don't know that he would be – because here's the deal. If they're going to take a portal quarterback next year, it's going to be a guy that's proven, right? He's not proven if he's trying to come back to Notre Dame because what that means is either got hurt again or got beat out at Alabama. Right. Didn't, didn't, he doesn't, either he doesn't way, solve your problems. Right. If not a lot of playing time. In, right. If you need a, right. a portal quarterback, he doesn't solve your problems coming back. So I don't think that would make a lot of sense for Notre Dame to look at him. Forget any feelings you might have about, oh, I don't want him back. It has nothing to do with that. If, if, right. if it's the best thing for you is to have him on your roster, then you bring him back. Mm-hmm. I just don't see a scenario like if he goes to Bama and does really well, the heck's he transferring back to Notre Dame for? Right. Doesn't make any sense. You've got another year to be down there. Right. Uh, but or go pro. You know, you know, you're healthy. You had a great year at Bama. Go pro. Yeah, you're a senior. I mean, just yeah, you know, take your shot or whatever. I, I don't know, but I just can't see a scenario in which him coming back would make sense for Notre Dame. And it has nothing to do with being in your feelings about him leaving. It's just 
That's just not what we're looking for a guy that's a proven right. established guy. Now, just let's just say hypothetically that, management, yeah. that Drew Pine goes back there, goes to Arizona State, starts this year, throws for 2,800 yards, 25 touchdowns, has a great year, and they tell him in the spring, hey, man, we're giving the job to Jaden Rashada. And Drew's like, you know what, man, forget all this. Like, I, I, I'm going to go back. I want to get my master's at Notre Dame. Hey, guys, I know that I'm not going to be a starter. I want to come. I want to be a depth guy. I want to be a leader. And I would take Drew Pine back in a heartbeat, a heartbeat. If he knows he's not going to be, so we talked about going for a depth guy. I would, I would take Drew back in that situation if I knew that I had an established quarterback. Let's say Kenny Minch has a great season, great off season, and he's the guy. I'd take Drew back in that scenario. Would I take him back to be the starter? No, I wouldn't. Right, you're looking for a higher level player. So because Drew has that experience, sure. You're right. He would have started a whole year at Arizona State. He started almost a whole year at Notre Dame. You, you know, whereas if Tyler gets hurt again, we still don't know who Tyler is. Or if he gets beat right. out, we still don't know who Tyler is as a starter. We see the the heck of a game he had against South Carolina with two pick sixes. But then the other two starts are Ohio State, where he was okay. He was did better than I think he gets credit for. It. And then he was really bad against Marshall. You know, so whereas Drew, I know who Drew Pine is. I know yes. who he is. I yep. know what I I know what I can Absolutely. use, what I can do to, to win with him or protect ourselves or whatever with Tyler. There's still a, an unknown to that. And the only way to hit, to not be an unknown, it would be a scenario where, why would he leave Bama anyway in that scenario? So um, yeah, and it's, but it's, it's not about emotions or feelings or burn bridges. It's just, it's about proper roster management. Well, and it's, it's it, okay. Take the name off of the resume of the person that you're bringing in. That's not the resume that Notre Dame would right. be looking for to it's bring a great in. Great way of putting it, Vince. you know? Yeah. Take the name off. That's a great way of putting yeah. it. Yeah. Cause everybody saved like seven minutes. <laughs> if you just want to say, well, that's the thing. If you take Tyler Butner <laughs> off of it and you're like, Hey, we're going to go get this transfer kid. Who's going to be at his third school who has three starts under his belt and has an injury history, but has a huge upside. Is that the transfer guy you want to bring in? Yeah. I, I don't think so. Right. Yeah. And it's nothing to do with who he is. We got some ones here that we're going to kind of rapid fire through Vince because okay. we do have some ones that I think are going to be somewhat easier, quicker answers. So let's try to get through some of these. Cool. Jordan Schreiber, which receivers have the best shot to have breakaway 50 plus yard touchdown catches every couple of games? Tobias Merriweather, Chris Tyree, Chris Tyree. Deion Colsey, Braylon James. Okay. Those would be my four. Yeah. Those okay. Would be my four. Yep. Yep. Now, could Jane Thomas do it? Sure. It's part of the scheme. Absolutely. But but those are the guys that have the best physical tools to where they can make that happen. Uh, I would say probably Rico Flores next because he's such a good route runner and he's a little he's a little faster than I thought he was going to be. Yeah. Rico showed put, me some juice. together. Like, yeah, he he looked a lot better physically than I anticipated he was going to look as a yeah. second semester senior. You know what I mean? And yeah. An offseason with Bayless yeah. is not going to hurt him any. Jaden Greenhouse, I left off because Jaden's more the guy. Of who do you think is capable of catching eight plus catches in a game consistently? That's, That's where him and Jaden Thomas are coming into the equation. Correct. But if we're talking about the big, long touchdown passes, those other guys top that list for me. They'd be the most mm-hmm. likely options. John says, which position can sustain the most injuries and still perform at a competitive level? It's a very good question. I would say defensive line, tight wide receiver, much different than it was a year ago. Yes, absolutely. The depth is much better. Um, and and I would say corner. No, because I think no. running back, If you, it, it depends on who the injury is. Right. If the right. injury is to a backup, when I, when he asked this question, I'm reading it as you lose a starter. Okay. I, I don't know with the injury history that already exists with Jadarian Price and Jabron Payne and Devin Ford, if that's really, if you want to go seven weeks without Audric, right? Like, do they have the talent? Sure. But I just have a few too many red flags there uh, in that particular situation. Tight end? Uh, no, because again, there's already an injury there. You can't afford another one, in my opinion. Uh, and then and then probably guard. So not offensive line, but guard. There's a lot of guards. Yeah, that was, I was going to say chance guard. Players. I was going to say not guard. Guard. No, guard. Yeah. yeah, tackle is like, it's kind of a wasteland, unfortunately, yeah. at the moment. Did we say corner? Did we say corner? If not, corner. Okay, if yeah, there's a lot of depth at corner. On it. A lot of questions after the starters, but there's depth. 
Yeah, like, but I don't know players. what that order like, Jaden is. Jaden Mickey yeah. to me is right, a starting right, right. caliber player. Hans Tucker can play at Notre Dame. There's there's no doubt in my mind. You sure. know what I mean? Like Christian Gray is a freshman who's healthy. Sure. He can play at Notre Dame. Like I said, he would have started on that 2020 team, in my opinion, if he was a freshman that year. Right. Uh, so yeah, none of them are maybe as good as the starter you had, but you can still play good football. Uh, the linebacker, right. it's another one. Now you can't have too many just because you're low on numbers, but I feel very but good about depth, this there's more good freshman. Yeah, you could, right. you could be just fine if you missed a, if you lost a veteran. That's another one. Good question, John. Here's another one from John. Which quarterback? Would, okay, which quarterback would be uh, more effective on design runs, Deshaun Kaiser or Kenny Minchie? Kenny Minchie's not a runner. Yeah, he is a decent Kaiser. athlete that can scramble if you need yeah. him to, but he's a pocket passer. That's easy one. That's Deshaun by a mile. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's yes, yes. I always love these questions because we always get them in different forms over and over, and I and I and they're fun because because the answer might change depending on like kind of what mood I'm in or now that we know the team is this, the team is taking <laughs> right. a different shape. My answer may change. So these are fun. So I want to bring this one up from Tavis. All right. He says, uh, pick one past Notre Dame player from each side of the ball to add to this roster, excluding quarterback in order to try and guarantee a playoff appearance. So I, I, I really like this one, Vince. So who are the first ones that kind of pop into your head when you Jalen Smith this? on defense? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, you, I'd go, I'd go Jalen Smith uh harrison smith okay or two that just because safety would be yeah good harrison smith in this defense would be phenomenal Mm -hmm. uh and then another one that really pops in my head vince is i would love to see stefan to playing three technique in this defense with and then you know i could keep riley mills at big end or even if you wanted to put stefan from 2011 as your field end you could do that too and then leave riley at three technique that'd be a good one but but if I had to pick any defensive lineman, and may he rest in peace, could you imagine Lewis Nix being the nose guard on this team? Like that <laughs> right. would be pretty. Just impressive. have a dominant interior yeah. defensive lineman. Yeah, yeah, that would be offensively. That would make the so yeah, good. all right. Offensively, that's a that's a good one. So if we're going to talk about past player, I mean Rocket, Tim Brown. I was going to say it's going to be a wide receiver. Yeah, for me. something like, like I'm going to bring in some elite. Will Fuller, would, Michael is, Floyd. Is, like yeah, I would. If we're going to talk like recently a Will Fuller type of guy. Could you imagine having that kind of burner right. taking the top off the defense? Um, you know, they're, they're, Michael Floyd would be one, you know, put him in the boundary with Tobias right. of the field. I mean, that, that'd be, you know, Golden Tate. You can't go wrong sure. there. Yeah. yeah you know, those, yeah, yeah. those are good ones. And then the other Quentin one is Nelson. There right. you go. I was going to say put <laughs> Quentin Nelson next to Joe Alt and say, have right. fun. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, good luck. Seriously. <laughs> Vince could run for 120 yards behind that I line. Mean, like, hey, offensive coordinator, okay, we're going to run the ball. Uh, this one, whatever, doesn't matter. Like, that's what we're going right. to do. Just- right, right. So there's a lot of good ones uh, that I think would make a lot of sense there. Yeah. yeah. Yep, those are – I like those. Those are good. Those are fun Absolutely. questions. Oh, doesn't it make you just Great. like, oh, if only. <laughs> yep, yep. I know, right? Seriously. Man, why couldn't, why couldn't he have stepped up then? Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. So let's all right. Let's get to a, some more here, Vince. I'm gonna go down and kind of grab a couple of these from the bottom because we always Ooh, end nice. up missing those. Um, here's a call. Here's a couple. Here's one from uh, Paul Hamilton. Okay, is there any scenario you see where Notre Dame could bring back Tyler Buckner? Thank you for what you did. Is there a scenario? Did, the, yeah. Here's the here's the scenario right here because this kind of follows up the earlier question, right? Terry Terry Gillery. Uh, actually put it out there, and I can't find it. Of course. Oh, here we go. Can I bring it up? I, I, I'm going to bring up what, what he said. It says, Buckner wins the Heisman and then says, I want to go to Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, that that's that. hyperbolic, right? Of course. But let's say Tyler goes out and has a great year at Bama, and the reason he wants to come back is because he hates living in Tuscaloosa. Right. Or or Tommy Reese leaves for the NFL. Which is and definitely like, well, a possibility. Dude, the only reason I'm sure. here is for Coach Reese. Right. Sure, under that circumstance. Yes. But the odds of that happening are are slim. So slim. And honestly, if I was him with his injury history, if I was advising Tyler, I'd say I'd have I'd say, okay, Tyler, do you want to play in the National Football League? Oh yes, it's my dream. Then go now. Right. If his answer is like, well, yeah, sure, but I care more about other things. Okay, then go to Notre Dame and, and try to win a championship. Fine, go for it. Right. But with his injury history, if he had a big year, a Heisman esque year at, at Alabama, I'd say, bro, go pro. You stayed healthy, you, right. you know. You, you've got your degree. Go do what you got to do. Uh, but if he was like, I don't really care about that. I'll play college football for another year. 
and say, okay, cool, come back. Notre yeah. Dame. Again, in, in it's, the re- it's the resume situation. But it's just like, the odds of that happening are, this is what we go oh, back to earlier, is like, why would so he want to come back? Now, okay, so in that situation, Tommy leaves. He doesn't like living in Tuscaloosa. I, I can understand a kid that grew up in San Diego right. and it would, may not love it in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I get that, right? But it, especially if Coach Reese isn't around. I, I can right. understand that. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.